Thank you for joining us on Feed the Crew. If you haven't already, please subscribe and follow us on Facebook or Instagram. If you have any feedback, if you'd like to be a guest or suggest a topic, go to our website, feedthecrewpodcast.com. If you love the show and want to support us, you can do that at buymeacoffee.com forward slash feed the crew. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Feed the Crew. Today, we have a freelance technical director from Nashville, Tennessee, Dave Cohn, good friend of mine, known him for a long time. He's fantastic. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing great, Ray. Thanks for having me today. Oh, no, I'm glad you're here. Um, tell us what you've been up to. Tell First, introduce yourself. I'm sorry, because not everybody who listens is going <laughs> to know who you are. <laughs> I don't know why that would be uh, the case. Uh, my name is Dave Cohn. I'm originally from Orlando, Florida. Uh, started in the business almost 20 years ago. Um, audio engineer, several years of rigging with local and several companies in Orlando. A little bit of lighting for a couple of companies. So I've kind of run the gambit and then uh, moved into technical direction and production management about 12 years ago. And uh, it's been it's been a while since I've touched a fader, but because uh, I really enjoy the management side of things, I tried to keep my feet wet for a little while. It just wasn't working with the time frame of things, so uh, I let the technicians do uh, their magic, and I just kind of manage things nowadays. You're super good at it. Um, I know from some of the things that you've worked on, you've actually worked with me uh, in Atlanta. We do a show together in Atlanta. I'd like to work with you more, but we just don't get the opportunity. No one's working together these days. No, and no one's working together these days. That's for sure. Absolutely. So tell us, did you go to school for what you do? Yeah, I am uh, one of those uh, fearfully faded graduates from Full Sail. Uh, okay. I went for recording engineering. Um, like all schools, you know, it is what you, you put into it, what you get out, you get out of it, what you put into it. Um, and I came out of it knowing the basics and I learned a lot of the rest of it on the job. And I feel like that helped, you know, I didn't get lumped into that. You think, you know, everything crowd. Right. Uh, I also came out of full sale along before it became a, uh, an, a, an engineer mill, right. You know, right. someone that's just gr grinding out people for the sake of making money. So, um, I'm not, I don't hide the fact that I'm from a full sale ground, but I also don't advertise it on a regular basis because <laughs> there's always that stigma. Yep. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have my own stigma that goes with uh, the Art Institute. Yep. It's the same thing. We got, you know, some good education for a few years, and then you just got them all pushed out the door, just turned over for money. That's exactly right. That's a shame. And that's one of the reasons why we ask about education, um, so that folks can make those decisions. I think uh, the for-profit school is probably not the way to go in our industry. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely value there in the sense that if you don't want to go to a four-year school, you don't fit into that, that lump and you just want to get, you want to get your feet wet and don't know how mm -hmm. it's definitely a way to get the knowledge and the basics that you wouldn't get right away. Your first day at the job working for, you know, um, a labor provider, you know, you'd have to be taught on site and that's some people just don't like doing that these days. Um, so you at least get those, you at least get, you, you come on to a show site, graduating a school like that with at least the knowledge to be more than dangerous. You know, you have, you can, you can find the cables you need. Uh, yeah. that's true. That's true. But what was your first job ever? So out, out of full sale, what was your first job? What was my full job? Uh, 
outside of Full Sail, my first job was working in the warehouse at ProStage, uh, working in the audio department, packing gear, fixing gear, loading and unloading trucks, um, going out to show site and setting events up. Uh, didn't actually engineer or aid to a show or even work on a crew for probably the first six or eight months, spent most of my time just in the warehouse dealing with gear. Um, and then um, started getting put out on shows uh, as, as an A2, managing wireless, running the systems. Um, and then was finally started working as an A1 probably about a year later. So I got, you know, I got a good handle on stuff, but you know, even at the, even at the A1 level, we were still working full-time in the shop you know, yep. in between gigs. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And that's where you and I met actually, because you mm -hmm. were at uh, pro stage in Orlando and I was at pro stage in DC. That's right. I'm not sure how long you were there before I arrived though. When did you arrive? I don't remember. Oh. I thought you were already in place before I got there. You think I so? remember butting heads with you a couple of times about no. <laughs> <laughs> Jake's 2004, I think, 2004. So you you were there probably just before I got there then. Gotcha, gotcha. I don't know. I thought you came, I thought you were already there. But I may have I been. Was, I, don't, I don't, you know, I didn't get to meet anybody down in Orlando. I was in D.C. I, I Kevin and I in D.C. Well, I eventually came up to see you guys in D.C. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, no, I, I, And I eventually got down to Orlando, but, you know, we you get in and you start working and you're not thinking about who all is on the staff down there. And I don't remember exactly when I started at pro stage to be plain. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to school, you got your first job at pro stage. Uh, you moved up the ladder pretty quickly. And I have to say that's because you were good at what you were doing. Thank you. No, no, no worries. You were really good at what you were doing, but uh, did you have any mentors along the way? I had a lot of mentors and some of it was indirect in the sense of, you know, you work beside somebody and they give you that nugget of that nugget of advice that gives you, you gives you the motivation to do better or, you know, gives you the validation that you actually have, you have the knowledge and the skill set to move on or to, to, to validate that you really do what you're doing. Cause some people come out and, you know, at a full sale specifically with a big block on their shoulder. Uh, and I just didn't, I don't feel like I ever did that. Um, cause I knew that I only knew the basics at that point. So as I was moving up, it felt good to get that information. You get mentors from working with guys like Dan Jeffrey. There was a couple of, a couple other Dan's in my life who were all audio guys in Orlando. Um, couple who are no longer in the business some who have retired i had andrew douglas from what at the time was lightworks and is now touch light media if it wasn't for him i would not know nearly as much lighting and programming as i do uh he he definitely saw potential in me and gave me the the ability to to learn as well as to as well as taught me how to program so i definitely you know appreciate that guys like chris sturman in the rigging world and uh Don Jackson, those guys definitely gave me uh, a leg up in the when I was rigging with them. So there's there's been a lot, you know. I I, don't, I I feel like in this business, unless you're working day in and day out at a at a, at a place, 
you get more than one. Like you're not just going to get one. Sure. When it came to, um, when it came to that leg up and that mentorship, as far as moving into technical direction, Cliff Ferris, he gave me my shot. Him and I, we, you know, the three of us all worked together at Pro Stage, and then he moved on and yeah. uh, had an opening at his new position uh, at eTech at the time, and brought me over into production management and technical direction there, and set me on my new path. So I can I can blame him for where I'm at right now. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> he's a good one to blame. He is. He's a I, he's I, a great person to learn from too, because not only is he knowledgeable, he just has the right way about him to keep you engaged. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah. 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 He knows, he knows how to, how to guide, not, he doesn't, yes. not just share, not, not just share the knowledge, but to guide you in the path that best suits you. He, he's got that mm -hmm. ability, which is amazing. So. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a people person. What do you think is one of the most significant challenges you've ever faced? I would say the most significant challenge I ever faced was moving from technician to manager. There is, there is a wide gap, not necessarily in the skill set, but more of figuring out how to get out of the trenches and manage the project. And uh, that was definitely a challenge. You know, when, when something happened, I wanted to be a person in there fixing the problem when mm -hmm. I needed to learn to trust the crew, even though I'd work with these guys for five, six, 10 years, you know, whatever, I had to learn to trust the crew. Right. And if they, they, if they needed my assistance, they would come get me. It's one thing to check in. It was not another thing to be completely disengaged from the rest of the event or from the client's needs. That was definitely my biggest hurdle. Right. I can agree with you on that. And now we, we get uh, to a challenge now of 2020, right? This is, a, this is a whole different challenge and like probably a whole show all in itself. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst show we've ever had. <laughs> so tell me how the pandemic has affected you. Well, let's see. First week of March, I was in Dallas doing one of my favorite events and I came home from that event with COVID. So oh. uh, by the end of March, I was quarantined in my room with my kids delivering food, knocking on the door saying Uber Eats, which was quite humorous. <laughs> and uh, I was in my room for two weeks. And once I was over, it, didn't know what was going to happen. You know, right. 2020, like a lot of us were, it was supposed to be one of the best years we've ever had in our careers. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of us had some exceedingly high plans and you know the, the the growth the growth chart in business was huge and then it all came to a screeching halt and fell so i spent a couple of weeks driving for uber just to make a little bit of extra cash here and there um and then uh, in june i got offered a chance to make the switch into virtual from one of my clients so uh Begrudgingly, I, I will not say that I, I love my, my, the virtual <laughs> events. I, 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 made the, I made the switch because I knew feeding my kids and my, you know, taking care of my career uh, was more important than not wanting to just sit here on a computer for nine, 10 hours a day. Right. So uh, I started learning virtual events and now I'm working with about half a dozen different companies, managing a variety of different ways in virtual events, some I'm high level, 
still managing a crew from, from a remote location uh, to produce the event. And they're all remote and or in a studio, depending on the level of event. Sometimes I'm just managing a breakout room on a Zoom call and just hitting spotlight, sharing a screen every now and then. So it's, uh, it's definitely uh, a different animal. There's new headaches. There's new stress levels. And Are they new, new or just different? Well, I would say they're new um, okay. because it's it's a new world for our clients as well as for us. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're used to being on site. We're used to doing that, that running gun, make it happen kind of thing. Whereas now everything's really got to be timed out. You know, you can't just walk into a ballroom or, you know, into a room with a new set of slides or a new video and expect it to play. You know, you can't have a a new speaker come on last minute and expect to have the same level of production with that person. You know, if you've got lower thirds built for everybody and you change something out last minute, you know, there's nothing you're going to, you can't fix that on the fly. We don't have that ability in a lot of cases where we're producing videos versus just doing static graphics. You know, getting the client to understand that the deadline really is the deadline because they're so used to being able to make... Yeah, to, they're so used to making the, uh, the the decisions or the changes on the fly and, and it and happening because that's what we've always done. Right. You know, I had I had a show last fall where they put together this beautiful opening video to kind of give their audience a higher level of an experience. And the day that we were supposed to, or the day before we were supposed to run the, the video for rehearsals or the the, all the executives, the client, the people who uh, sponsor the video, the people who made the video are going to watch this thing on platform. They email me and say, Hey, this is the file that we just sent you isn't final. And I said, oh. well, if I don't have the file by noon today, then we're not watching, you know, we're not watching the final video tomorrow. Cause I still have to process this thing. So, wow. and that, you know, she was a little stung by that. And I, her and I had worked together in the live world previously. So we had a little bit more of a relationship than just, you know, the virtual introductions. Sure. But I mean, it wasn't like the deadline had been new. And right. so educating our clients that virtual events is not cheaper and it's not easier. Oh, that is um, another big one. <laughs> is, is definitely a new headache. Mm. I mean, it can be done, but, but again, it's just, it's that we need that time to make it happen. Absolutely. So take us through a typical uh, event from start to finish. You get a call from a client. I don't think there is a typical at this point. I, I <laughs> There has not been, there's not been one show that I've done that has been the same, you know, it's not like, it's not like live events where it's like, all right, I need a PA. I need screens. I need lighting. I need, you know, rigging. I need this. Everybody's got their own, their own desire and their own, you know, their own vision of things. So I would say, you know, there's, there's kind of three, maybe three or four different ways that things can be played out. Okay. One where you've got um, a highly produced general session or main event that requires a full crew, audio, video engineers, graphic operators, the lower thirds, playback. And they're all sitting either remotely or in a studio that somebody has built to drive this content and everything's being brought in. You have a breakout room situation where 
it's less technical. You don't have all those players. You have, you know, somebody who's managing a green room. So everybody, you know, all, collecting all the presenters who are coming in, making sure their technology is working great, pushing them over to whatever space that they are presenting in. In a lot of cases, people are using Zoom for this because you can create a hub with the main with the main meeting link and then mm-hmm. create breakout rooms for all the different concurrents that need to happen. And then those get managed by vMix or OBS or some other streaming platform that can mix live video along with playback and graphics. And, right. uh, and then that gets pushed out to the platform through them. Some meetings are just again, just me sitting in a breakout room, in a Zoom room, managing, managing people talking, you know, we've done, I've done the Zoom webinars for associations who need to do their voting for the year, you know, need to go through and get all of their new agendas done or for, you know, voting new, new officers into place. So it's, there really hasn't been a, a, a turnkey solution for any of them. I think that's the point, right? Yeah that there isn't one size fits all in any of this. Agreed. Um, and uh, we've had some people that we've talked to that, you know, we talked about going down the rabbit hole of where, what platform can be the solution for that scenario of, you know, whatever the client hits you with. And yeah. And I don't, I haven't seen a scenario. I mean, I've, I've mm-hmm. even done a couple of hybrid events since the fall and one event we had 15 people live in person and we had virtual and remote presenters and a remote audience to go with it we did one where we built out three studios in a hotel and then did live we had live presenters and remote presenters but 100 percent virtual audience and the audience was in a completely custom platform where not only did they just navigate it wasn't just a flat page where you clicked around to where you went to you actually get an avatar in this platform and you get to customize your avatar and you actually get to walk through the space and into a into a theater for the general session into an exhibit hall and see the different logos and stuff like that so there's actually a super cool platform i've actually used that myself i've I love that platform just for how engaging it is. Yeah. And, but again, you know, it's, it's a matter of doing something to that scale requires a strict timeline, mm-hmm. a lot of planning, and you have to start early because one, it takes a lot of work to get it done. And most people don't realize how much work it, it takes, even with right. a lot of the templates that are already pre-built for platforms like that. Right. And two, because nothing is done by an individual as far as decision-making it's all committee. So, (laughs) so everyone's going to sign off on it before you can implement it. Yeah. And it's not like they're walking down the hall and and having a meeting themselves. They have to then jump on their own, you know, zoom conference weekly or whatever it is that they're meeting with on their side. It's just made everything a little more difficult to get the answers you need. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I feel like when we were doing site visits, for every show, you know, whether it's an initial or a final or whatever, how many you ended up making per show, those visits, even if you only spent four hours with the client, were more beneficial and more productive than the 30 conference calls you did prior to or after that, because decisions got made. You saw Absolutely. the space, you, you made it, you know, this has to happen this way because of physics or because right. of, you know, 
egress purposes or whatever, whatever it was, you know, there mm-hmm. was decisions got made, you know, and if you yeah. shifted things on site later on, when you loaded in, you made changes, that was no big deal, but you can't make changes once you've set the platform, it, you know, that breaks other things. It's not, it's not the same. That's a huge point. Good point. Yeah. You can <laughs> break things. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if it's actually broken, but it's just not what you, what the client wants. Well, not, no, because you if, you, if you, especially on the encoding side of things, you know, if you're, if, if you need to have a specific embed code for a media player to play or something okay. like, or, you, okay. you know, if somebody's headshot needs to change or something, you know, there's some sort of text, yeah, you're you right. add a button, you add that there. It may not, it may break something on something else's page. You've got to go back through and do all that testing. It's just like. It's just like game testing. Every time you add a new layer, you got to go back and test it. Make sure you didn't break the, the code from somewhere else. And that's something that clients obviously, you know, don't see either. Right. That's a good point. And it's, that's all stuff that I didn't really think about before. Cause I was literally dealing with, you know, gear that plugged in. I didn't have to think about coding and I've learned more in the last nine months about coding and video than I have ever wanted to do in my career. <laughs> I never wanted both. to be a video guy. <laughs> um, I yeah. got mad respect for the people who can, who can do it. And, uh, under pressure with the, mm-hmm. all the screens and the switching stuff like that was never my desire to do. I'm now sitting in front of five screens and I've got a stream deck and a switcher and, uh, yeah. you know, yes. this is ridiculous. I didn't want to yeah. do this in my life. And here I am. But we've adapted, you know, we've yes. learned to adapt. And that's one thing about this industry that, you know, is amazing is that we always find a way to adapt, you know, when we want to. You know, if you don't want to, then you're just going to continue pushing cases. Yeah. So do you have the Stream Deck XL or just the regular or just, mini? Uh, I, have the, I have the Stream Deck XL, yeah. <laughs> All right. I was going to do the mine's bigger than yours, but we have no. the same size. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if I'm going to spend the money, I may, if I'm going to dive into it, I may as well get all the, all the buttons that I need out of it. Yeah. Who knows, what, who knows what I needed? I didn't know. You know, five buttons may not have been enough. Exactly. Nope. That's exactly what I thought too. Um, do you have, uh, some advice for the, for the folks out there that haven't, haven't been able to begin doing this stuff yet? Maybe My, they're just getting their feet wet or maybe they're just starting to get some phone calls. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the, I would say the first thing is don't oversell yourself. You know, if you don't know something, either admit it and, or ask for help learning it. If it's something that you can do, even some of these simple things as managing, you know, Zoom breakout rooms for clients can be a lot more technical than it's expected. You know, there's a lot of nuances to Zoom and a lot of clients are very concerned about losing their, their end client. You know, if these AV companies have made this switch, they're worried about losing their end client because of operators not being a known entity to them because they brought in a lot of new people and a lot of new contractors. Um, I made the mistake last week or last couple of weeks ago, uh, being frustrated sitting on a bunch of Zoom training meetings when I didn't need it. There was there was nothing in the meetings that I took away from that as some as a new carrot for me. However, I almost lost a client because of my frustrations because I oh. didn't right because I was I, I I was to the point with it where I'm like this is not worth my time. I don't see why I'm sitting here learning the same thing over and over again. And really it was, uh, it, 
I had lost clarity in the sense that this client needed to know that I knew what I was doing. I gotcha. Right. And that just because I knew what I was doing didn't mean anybody else on that call knew what they were doing. So, right. you know, be humble. Even if you've been doing this for a long time, be humble, be open to the idea of, of something new. There's, you know, Zoom and other other platforms are adding new features all the time. So there may be something new next time you go into it. Very true. And the other thing is, is keep your platforms up to date because of these updates happening so quickly. Mm-hmm. There's features in there that you might not have access to if you mm-hmm. don't keep your platforms up to date. But don't do it five minutes before your next meeting. Do it. <laughs> hey, hey, I, I I updated my client just as I was logging in for this one. But this is not a show. So no. if you well, had it is had a, a show. This is your show. Well, it is. But if you have a failure on, <laughs> I'm not paying you to be at the ready. Fair <laughs> so, enough. <laughs> That's a fair um, point. But if you have a, a failure in an update that you get from Zoom, I think it's best to find that out the days before, not not a minute or two before your event. Agreed. So that was that's that's my only little caveat a- to sticking absolutely. that in there. <laughs> you know, if, if it were me, I would want that to get that update at the very end of finishing a show mm-hmm. and get my update. And then when I get back to my office and I'm doing my other things for the next day or so, getting ready for the next one, I'm able to play with that and make sure it's not going to be broken. Yep. Yeah. Uh, other pieces of advice, you know, there's a lot of things out there. If you're interested in getting into this in a very technical depth, you know, OBS uh, mm. is out there. It's free. There's a lot of people using it to help stream for, um, for events. Uh, if you're, if you're interested in spending a little bit of money and, and want to learn VMix or already know how to use VMix, there's a big call for VMix operators out there for a lot of people. You know, it's yeah. it's how far down the video rabbit hole do you want to go? I yeah. mean, <laughs> I try and limit what I do because of some of my clients. I don't feel like I need to go down the rabbit hole as deep as I can go. Right. You know, I'm still contemplating whether I need to add a hyperdeck to my gear just for the high res videos that may or may not come in. But right. a lot of times, at least up into this point, I haven't been asked to play those stuff. That stuff has all been sitting on a server in a studio and I'm just calling a show from my house. So whether I'm going to go that route or not, is still be determined. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's there's there's definitely work out there. Be humble, be uh, be mindful that well, it might not be new to you. It's new to your client um, in a lot of cases. So you've got to be, you've got to be humble with them and, and be patient with them as you walk them through the process of things. Right. You know, even things as easy as sharing your screen on Zoom. Some people have no idea how to do that. That's true. You know, I just two days ago, I was sitting on a show, sitting in a breakout room and the next presenter was on the phone with me going, I don't know how to do this. We just, you know, we had literally walked through it two hours beforehand and he mm-hmm. was, fl- he was so stressed about it that we were talking through a break on the phone. I got him, you know, he flawless, flawless execution. He shared That's his screen. Awesome. He had no, pre, you know, he changed over from one thing to another without a problem. It was, everything worked out well, but you know, you just can't have that. I can't believe this guy doesn't know how to do this kind of attitude. Good point. That's true. Um, when we're so used to some of our, you know, large CEOs and stuff, I remember as an A2, I was working as an actual PM, but working A2 at the stage, 
miking up a presenter who starts to tell me she thinks she's going to vomit, pass out, et cetera. She's so nervous. So we don't run into that as often as, uh, as you will on these virtual platforms, because like you said, these folks have not done this before. This is all new. So it can make even the most seasoned speaker nervous. You know, and, and I made the, I, I had been making the assumption up until recently that, you know, We've all been working Zoom calls for the last nine months since the shutdown. <laughs> it, there should be speaking for everybody, but that, that is not necessarily true for everybody. You know, some people no. just, show, just have to show up to a meeting and they don't actually have to see, present anything. So, right. So yeah, it's you know being being in your office talking over the phone. Maybe this is kind of similar to social media where you've got that disconnect and you you know you don't have that personal touch where you're either shining it on if that's your personality where you're just happy because you're supposed to be happy talking to your client or if it's just how you are genuinely that uh you've got to just pay attention to those kind of things you know yep how do you see the future of our industry no we're hybrid i don't see us ever being away from a hybrid environment whether you're doing concerts theater corporate trade show I mean, we were already kind of into a hybrid event situation before COVID. Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot more streaming going on of live events that people could get into, but um, especially in the corporate and the, the trade show event world, I think a lot of people are seeing the value in mm -hmm. having a virtual platform for people who either can't or won't travel. You know, I've got, I've done a couple of shows where they said, well, you know, we, we've always been stuck at this number for our live events. We can't get beyond that. And then they did a virtual event and they tripled it. Yeah. You know, there's I've heard that from quite a few. Yeah. I mean, you know, people, people can come, they can make it, they can make an appointment for it. They can, you know, they can get other stuff done while they're there, which is another yeah. thing, you know, you come in and you're, you're less engaged, I think in that environment, because a lot of people may, may show up, turn it on, have it on the background, have it on another screen. They're listening while they're doing something else. Right but they're still getting something out of it. They may not be fully engaged because they're not sitting in front of that message, but they're still getting it. You know, events that are held in the U.S. that have always been, you know, live only and having trouble struggling getting internationals got internationals because now they can run stuff either in, a, in an on-demand platform where once it's aired, people can check that out at any point in time or they can actually run specific content geared towards those folks. I mean... There was, I know of a client who did, they did their main portion of stuff on uh, Eastern Standard Time. And then they had up a, an Asia Pacific time and they had a, a Europe time slot as well. And they just, they had a little bit of live content to keep them engaged, but because everything was being processed and managed out of the US, they limited that and did a lot of it as, you know, pre-recorded content. And, but they, but they geared it towards the folks in those areas. So it wasn't okay. just a, hey, this is what we have and this is how we're doing it kind of thing. They actually geared that content towards the folks in those portions of the world too. So they expanded the horizons that way. So I don't think we're ever going to get away from a hybrid event. I think that's uh, an excellent idea, what you were just talking about, where they you know geared it towards them and gave them their time slots in their time zones. That's the first time hearing that one. So I think that's a, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a, a challenge for the folks uh, who were stationed here in America since everybody sure. was, since everyone was processing out of here. Mm -hmm. 
you know, it basically required three different production managers, uh, one to deal with the US time and one for each of the other time slots so that right. nobody was working 12, 18 hour days. Um, <laughs> although, although you know what? I, and- <laughs> I, I would I would be happy to work an 18 to 20 hour day on show site at some point again. Right. So I don't know that I'd be happy about it because I still don't like long days like that. <laughs> Only because I'm I'm not a good person if I don't get some sleep. Right. But you know, I I miss that I miss that <laughs> I miss that challenge. Yeah. I, miss, I miss that adrenaline rush of, you know, yeah, when you I miss honor, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah. um my biggest my biggest hang up about virtual events actually isn't the event uh, or the process in the event. It's the post event, you know. I miss the, Hey, you know, let's go get dinner. Let's go get drinks. Let's go decompress. Let's Mm -hmm. go celebrate the win for all the challenges we've had to face over the last six, eight months of planning of this thing. Mm -hmm. Now it's a great job. Everybody click. And that's it. (laughs) I mean, there's, there's, there's nothing, there's no gratification at all. Right. Well, that's something we're talking about amongst feed the crew. And uh, we have some things, if you're uh, part of our forum, that we're going to start talking about and start getting people together in a you know live virtual arena for just that kind of camaraderie um but you were i w- want to ask you about the event farm um platform verbella you were mentioning the verbella platform Mm-mm. where you make the avatars and you actually no, walk this, around uh this the the i don't wasn't specifically speaking about that i um the platform that i was speaking about was actually proprietarily built oh, by a neat. company yeah okay uh i think it's got to be very similar then to I'm the sure Bella platform yep. uh i wanted to ask you if that was the platform you were using if you used that for a trade show but uh, uh, yeah it was not it was not that platform but it was it, it sounds like it was very similar no they custom built this and they launched it in september and they have used it successfully on about a dozen events. It's it's fantastic environment. So I think it was kind of it was a I think it was a brainchild of things off of like the Entrado platform and a couple other things where you know you have kind of a, a digital campus right. where you can kind of move around. Mm-hmm. Um, this is more. This is more of playing playing a video game. You know, you've got you've got a. a a networking cafe where you walk out you actually walk out a pair of doors you're outside at a mm-hmm. there's like an outside bar and there's tables and there's all sorts of stuff and you can walk up to a group of people and just start talking through the you know you don't have you don't yes. have to log out of the or go into a zoom meeting you can literally just start talking to them and it pops up a video chat between you and that person if somebody walks past you they you would hear, hear your conversation for yes. a moment you know yes does it you have know? uh isolation pods because so, I've I've uh, worked with one where you can walk into a uh, predetermined area and you'll see when you're walking into it that there's a isolation area. So just the people within that area can talk to each other. Yes. Similar to walking in the rooms as you walk around this. It's a, We're talking about the same thing, even though they're different de- developers. I think it has all the same cool bells and whistles. Yeah, well, yeah it sounds like it does. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a cool little thing. Um, I definitely feel like it is not right for every client. True. Oh, absolutely true. Um, it's I wouldn't necessarily it's a high it's for the high end clients. I wouldn't necessarily you know label it for that. Um, mm-hmm. But it definitely takes 
a lot more planning. It takes a lot more decision-making. There's a lot more that needs to be done. So it doesn't work for everybody. Um, right. You know, if you don't have a huge, if you don't have a huge exhibit floor, I think that's what it really takes a home at uh, a huge trade floor where you can sell a lot of space and okay. you can make that revenue. I think mm-hmm. that's where that platform really hits home because it gives you that interactive feel of a trade floor. Yes. Um, yeah. That's why I was asking you about it. Cause if we were, if we were talking about the same platform that they have that as well. Mm-hmm. And it's a fascinating thing to uh, to walk into a space that looks exactly like any old trade show floor and see all of the signs over top and be able to walk up to somebody who's, you know, selling at a booth. It's just such a cool experience. Yeah, it um, is. Now, and I, I know that uh, your time is very precious and that you have to wrap up. So I'm going to wrap this up for us. I want to thank you so much for being here. This has been extremely helpful. And I want to also beg you to come back and do this again with me sometime. I appreciate you having me and let me know next time you want me around. I mean, I'm, yeah, I mean, all of our time is precious, but uh, I love talking with you and this has been great. It has been great. Thanks again. And we'll, we'll give you a call again. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Check out our website at feedthecrewpodcast.com for more information, as well as links to all of our episodes, bulletins, and social media. When you're hungry for inspiration, information, friends, and laughter, join us. Join us. Join us. Join us. On Feed the Crew.